Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, the pastor has forgot to download his message. So I'll just have to wing it. No, not really. It's on my phone, but if I go like this. uh, Maybe. Can you help? You're a very helpful person. Thank you. But we're talking about devotion. We, we, our series is, is on being devoted, and we've been looking in this scripture in Acts 2 of the early practices of the church. Oh, I apologize. You may be dismissed. Go and rest. Enjoy. Can we thank our worship team? They are wonderful. They do birthdays, parties, open for hire, and um, not really. Um, and the practices that we implement in our lives are moving us towards ultimately what we want in life. So a great, oh, you're amazing. Can we give it up for my wife who has rescued us from an even longer message than normal? Um, which is really cool. Hey, by the way, huge welcome to any of our guests who join us for the first, second or however many times that you're still on the journey in. Um, just so you know, the way we do this is, is we really love the embracing of the reality of our commu- community, young and old. So you will notice we have all of our kids here. Uh, we do have a creche available if you've got really young kids and you're just feeling like they're a bit unsettled. And, but please know that your kids are fine here, okay? We're one big family and this is how we do things, all right? Good. Um, I'm not distracted, so you don't need to be worried. Um, if they start hurting someone, we might just need to, but mostly we, we're normally fine. Um, it's always good. Um, what am I talking about? Acts 2. Thank you. And so this idea of devotion and, and setting up devotions in our lives that help us move towards what we want. A great thing to remember that in the process of becoming his disciples, one of the first and most earliest steps you need to reconcile in your heart is what do you want? So John has these followers. He's the Baptist, John the Baptist, and he was preparing the way for Jesus. And Philip and Andrew are his disciples. They're kind of hanging out with John, learning from him. And Jesus comes and John sees him and he says, guys, follow him. He's the one. He's the Messiah. So they're like thrilled because they've been being taught by John that the, the Messiah is close. He's coming. And now he said he's him. So go follow him. They run to Jesus And Jesus turns around, and the first thing he says to them, what do you want? What do you want? What I want, what I desire, what is the treasure of my heart, is what inevitably I'm moving toward. To settle the issue of desire in our life is a really big thing for disciples. We are absolutely saved by grace through faith. You are saved. You've been rescued. You don't have to do anything except believe in him. But there is the journey of moving from a process of understanding our salvation to then understanding the issue of lordship. Most of the experiences and frustrations particularly that we have as Christians are due to this issue. It's not a salvation issue. It's a lordship issue. The Lord wanted me to go this way, but my will, ah, it wants to go this way. 
And we can live frustrated Christian experiences of hearing about freedom. For Christ came to set us free. He set me free and it sounds wonderful, but we don't feel free. I feel stuck and trapped and in the same frustrations. And so we come to a point where we need to start to ask ourselves the question, what do I want in this life? So in this year, as a community, what do you want? Jesus said that finding the kingdom, which is another way of saying finding really him and his way of life and what he wants to do with his creation, it's like a man was digging in someone else's field and he found a treasure. He said he he covers it up, he gives away, he sells everything to buy that field. He's like, that's what I want. And so as we are on this journey of discipleship and growing in our faith with him, as we discover what we want in life, namely Christ and his promises over our lives, what we then set up as devotions, as habits, as practices in our world that move us towards this internal compass towards God is really, really important. Now, it's not a set the compass and you'll never stray. There are going to be many, many, many times this week, let alone this year, that we have to correct course. It's called repentance. It was an expected thing. Like, the the apostles are like, guys, Duh, you're going to mess up. So I've, we've made a way. It's called repentance. It's called changing our mind. It's called returning to God. It's called course correction and saying, Lord, I want you. I remember once I was traveling to an appointment and I'd become heavily reliant on Waze, which is a wonderful navigation system. And my phone died and I didn't have a way to charge it. And I was convinced I know the way. 40 minutes later to my appointment, I I entered very sheepishly because I realized how quickly we can get off course. And so we want to make things simple in this church. We want to help build habits and create systems and, and ways of doing life that help us to grow to be more like him. And so it says that the early church, they devoted themselves in Acts 2, 42, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. That's predominantly what we're going to speak about today. To the breaking of bread. We've just done this. And to the prayers. Then fear. A better better word or translation for that particular is is probably awe. Okay, we understand. Because only because when, when they hear fear, they think awe. When we hear fear, we think we should be afraid. And It is a bit scary coming here sometimes, I must admit. But most of the time, it's a wonderful experience. But there should be an awe. One of the most destructive things to your relationships around you is becoming overly familiar. Okay, so familiarity breeds contempt. It's this sense of, but when we have this healthy awe, wow, like you guys are pretty awesome. You should know that. Like you're a really good church. Like, I've heard, I've only been here, what, two years now, and hearing your stories has been mind-blowing, looking at the way you support and love one another. And we can become kind of like that's just the norm, right? But that, that's a slippery slope to then undervaluing what we all contribute and bring. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're wonderful. 
Turn to the next person and say, I'm in awe. And if you're by yourself and no one turns you, don't be offended. I tell you, you're awesome. Matt, you're amazing. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. I won't ask you to sell your house, I promise. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God, having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Church growth is not so much about a numerical goal that we need to set. I'm really not that into setting our targets for you. If you want me to get up on Vision Sunday and say, we're going to be at 1,000 people by the that's not what's going to happen. It's just not the way I'm wired, and it's also just not what I'm convinced is church growth. My conviction is this. If we become more like him, if we love one another more perfectly, which means we can be trusted to care for the people that come into this building, God will add to our numbers those that have been saved. If we are faithful with the little, then I can give you more. There's also, sometimes, in God's provide wisdom and decision, he says, this is the size I want this to community be, and that's okay too. Our growth is more about what's happening in here. If we can work on what's in here, we don't need to worry about what's out there. Trust me, Jesus is not nervous about whether his plan is going to work. He's not waiting for some pastor just, oh, Lord, it better work. I better go and do a thousand different meetings. No. He is building his church and the gates of hell, the opposite, will not, cannot, will not be against it. It can't stand. Jesus' plan, there's only one plan. It's happening. We're on the journey. We can be on the bus or off the bus, but he is moving. So this, this really then comes down to what's God doing in us? What's happening in me? What do I want? This year, we want to be devoted to establishing communal rhythms that move us collectively closer to him. And I'll talk more on this on Vision Sunday. But let's look at some of these things that they devoted themselves. It says they vote, devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So scripture is so crucial for us to be in. Now, I won't go too much on this because Matt preached a brilliant message on this just two weeks ago. You can go back onto the online service and check that out, our devotion to the Word, our devotion to Scripture. But I would say this, that having our worldview in a climate where we're constantly fed what we should think and believe, we have to be surrendered and surrounded and submerged and, and allow our minds to be shaped by the Scriptures. The teachings of the apostles become what we now know as the New Testament. They would also look to the Old Testament as Scripture in a new way, now seeing how Christ is there and the image of what that is. But for you to immerse yourself in Scripture regularly is a practice you cannot do without. You say, I'm not a good reader. That's okay. Listen to the Bible. Most of the, I do that often. I just put the Bible app on and I let it, listen, most of the Christians for pretty much until we got the printing press going and people learned how to read, was that, people hearing the word. 
So listening to Scripture. There are a thousand and one and more and more different devotions and ways of reading the Scriptures that you can just use for something like the Bible app. Understanding it in context and all of that is really, really important. But I think what starts as probably more important, that's important, but what's more important is just open the Bible. Read. This year, submerse yourself in the Psalms. Read over them regular. They devoted themselves to teaching, to the Scriptures. To the breaking of bread. Again, we're going to be doing this regularly because... This is retelling the story of Jesus, remembering him in our midst, drawing what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do into our very midst. They devoted themselves to the prayers. Now, some translations, just to make it, I don't know why they do it, actually. They say, and they devoted themselves to prayer. But it's not. It's a plural. It's the prayers, which is helpful for us to know. Number one, it shows us that we need to be people of prayer. Okay? Prayer is like breathing. As a Christian, you need it. You need to submerse yourself in regular connections with God. What was fascinating for the, the, the church in Acts, um, and, and the book of Acts uh, captures the earliest formation of this church. It's recorded by a man named Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke 2. But what he isn't really careful in the way he tells the story of what was happening is very early on, we see a community be formed around Christ, but also the coming of the Holy Spirit in bringing about that formation and transformation. And so regularly coming back to God and saying, Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, what do we have for today? Lord Jesus, help me to follow you. These regular interactions and connections with God. Prayer is ultimately, I think, it's a lot of things and it's many things, but I think ultimately it's one of the most primary acts of humility we can have. Just to say, God, I need you. Now, it says the prayers. So it's a culture of praying, but it's also realizing they had systems for their prayer. They were following as early Jewish converts, most likely the way Jewish people prayed, which was at least three times a day. They had the morning prayers, noon or midday, and then the evening. Still today, many, many churches follow what's called the, the daily office, coming regularly. What I'm saying is you're not, you're not trying to just work this out on your own here. There is so much resource on how to pray. There's a great book called How to Pray by Peter Craig. It's a great book. Matt DeQuino gifted me this beautiful book, Into His Presence, Praying the Prayers of the Puritans. I read through the prayers. Sometimes in the charismatic space, we're kind of meant, made to feel, unless we're praying in tongues or praying from the heart, we're not, we're not, make, not reading something, we're just letting, we, we're not praying. That's not true. There are so many ways for you to engage God. The book of Psalms is a book of prayers. Submerging yourself in the Psalms will make you a phenomenal prayer. As you begin to understand who God is and what he's doing for his people and who we are as his people. So submersing ourselves in prayers. And so we want to set up regular habits of this and we want to help you as a community. So we have a prayer meeting and traditionally we would do it on a Wednesday night, the first Wednesday of every month. This year, I mean for years actually, the wonderful Ken and Rhonda Hubert, who we love dearly, have been running an online prayer meeting every week for a if you select people, Tuesday mornings, and we're going to continue with that. For people that can't come physically, we're going to have that open and, and the link will come out for that, how you can join that. But this year, we're practicing Lent. 
which is really a time of, of prayer, devotion, and fasting, and coming to him as we prepare for Easter and what Christ has done. And so on what's been traditionally known as, hello, good to see you, Ash Wednesday, we're going to come and we're going to start our first of a weekly prayer meeting that we're going to run here. Every Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30, you can come on your way to work, 6.30 and 7.30 a.m., sorry, yes, thank you, my wife, um, in the morning for people. So just to help cultivate in you a place of us regularly gathering and praying. Okay. Wow, time flies when we're having fun. The prayers. Again, Christy Miles, where is she? Preached a phenomenal message on prayer. And I'm really excited about this space that we are going to be encouraging one another to consider is in the, in the concept of prayer partnership. So the book of James teaches us that if we are sick or if we have things going in our life that we need to be able to confess, we should do it with one another. So it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So I think... If, if we are moving closer to Christ in every way, becoming more like him, the natural progression of a really good friendship is to start praying together. So if you've built a trust with someone where, yeah, we're friends, we hang out, why don't you begin to say, hey, could we like once a week just call one another and pray together for like half an hour? Like you would be astonished the amount of support, love, care you feel, the power of God working in your life power of community, and so all these things. So anyway, go back, look at that message, and it will help you. It was good. All right, the fellowship. I want to talk about this for the last 10 minutes that we have today. Kids, you are being phenomenal. Can we give it up for the kids? Yes, Aubrey, you are, girl. You guys are so good. Thank you so much. You are being so respectful. I love that you're playing there, but you're not being overly loud. You're amazing. Let's keep it up. So good. All right. The fellowship. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their property, possessions and property and distributed the proceeds, the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. The temple complex was the Jewish temple. Remember, they've just come out of it, so they're still doing the duty, going to temple and, and spending time with that community, but they're meeting regularly. Okay, uh, breaking bread together, they ate their food with joyful, humble attitudes, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. So they were together. And 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. So our commitment to regular be regularly being in fellowship with one, one, one another is one of the most important practices in shaping us as Christians. Um. We have, unfortunately, in the West, at times, uh, overemphasized this idea of your personal relationship with Jesus. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. You need a personal relationship with Jesus. Please don't take me out of context here. But what we haven't realized is that from day one, Jesus' intention was to build a church. So much of the early scriptures, when we particularly read it in the Greek, is pointing us towards the fact that this is a plural thing. This is a communal thing that's happening. So wherever there are two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. There's a constant emphasis towards community. 
and, and the very way that we have come into relationship, the very means by which that has happened, the giving of Jesus' life for us is the very thing, not only that has brought us into salvation, but has also modeled to us what Christian life looks like. Giving, laying down, being about one another. So God showed the greatest form of love by emptying himself for us. And this is the shape that we live by. His intent was always to build a church, a body. And it is the context of our gatherings in which we practice. We practice love, peace, forgiveness, unity, humility, encouragement and support to keep following Jesus. So it's really cool to say, yeah, I'm going to be a loving person. It's very easy to be loving if you're just by yourself. <laughs> Forgiveness is a pretty easy thing when you're just by yourself. Unity is really simple if you're just by yourself. For me, with myself, it might be a, bit, be a little bit more complex, but for the most part, it, it's pretty simple. But throw us all into this wonderful sh- social experiment called community where we have to love one another. So in the, in the, the author of Hebrews, he's like this. He said, make sure you have peace with everyone. That's, that's how many translations see it. But it's really, it is true. We are, we are bringing peace to everyone we meet. But really the context of this, this is a peace amongst ourselves, okay? So have peace amongst yourselves and practice holiness. Otherwise, it's impossible for you to see God. And the emphasis is on peace in that verse. So the practice of peace with one another is the very way we see God. I know Jesus has forgiven me, but when a brother or sister forgives me, I really know it. There's something about us doing this and shaping it. Jesus said that the world would know that we're disciples, not by how many services we put on, how many outreach events, by the way that we love one another. So our intent to build and shape our lives in line with Christ must be formed, take shape through the practice of community. It is the key way that we are to continue in the faith. Just after, before, uh, again, the author of Hebrews warns against the sin of apostasy, which is to turn our heart completely away from God, say, that's not going to work for me anymore, at which point our heart is so hardened that the Scriptures say it's almost like it's impossible for them to come back. The warning just before it is, do not neglect the meeting together, as is the becoming the habit of some, yet rather devote yourself to one another. So this encouragement of one another, what we are doing here is so important. So we really prioritize gatherings. Now we gather in different ways because we understand the context of life and the way that we need to do this needs to change. We need to constantly be moving. The purpose is gathering. How we gather, that's, that's open to discussion. So in our church, we gather on the first, third and fifth week in this room. And then on the second and the fourth, we gather in home churches. We want to create community where we can be more open and more, it just lends itself to that when we're in smaller communities. But we're not like not gathering. I used to go to that church and they gather every week, but then they only gather for, no, we gather every week. We just do it differently. We have a home church here every single time we gather just so that guests and people that are on the journey can come and connect. 
So I, I want you to ask this about yourself is what does community mean to you? What's the priority of this community in your life? And, and please hear me. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I, I want to make sure I'm smiling a lot because I don't want this to be, you better do it. Or, what, or it's a trick question, like, I'm really upset with you, so I'm asking this kind of question, like, how are you really going with that? No, no, genuinely, I want you to check, what's your thoughts on this? And what would it look like to say, we, our family, me as a single person, we as friends, we're going to prioritize the community this year so that we can bring support, so that we can bring love, so that we can model Christ. Make gathering a priority this year, a practice that we are devoted to. So let's look at what makes fellowship work then. How can we make this work? You ready for three points in three minutes? First of all, they were generous with one another. Man, generosity is key to community. And I don't just mean in money, I mean in all parts of life. Just having this generous, open, we're here for one another, we're serving one another, we're committed to one another. A generous spirit is so crucial. It's crucial for our community, it's crucial for you as individuals. Don't ever get stuck in the thought of I have to guard and protect. I've got to guard and protect my time. I've got to guard and protect my energy. I've got to guard and protect my money. Now, unfortunately, we have at times done church in a rhythm that has meant people have had to do that. But I want to let you know we're moving beyond that. Okay? We absolutely need to have in our world, Jesus practiced it more than anyone, regular withdrawal. Not from good berries. But we need to step back and find rest for our soul. This is why prayer is so crucial for you. This is why Sabbath and having a time of rest is so crucial for you. This is why taking a holiday is so crucial for you. If you have like eight weeks of annual leave banked up and you're not really intending to use it, but you're kind of just saying, yeah, it's for a holiday, use it. Take a break. Take a rest. Come away with Jesus and your friends and family and rest because otherwise you are going to be living on empty. So you will naturally then have to close your life off. You have to close off your finances. You have to close off your energy, close off your time because you haven't made enough margin in your life. But our purpose and calling is to be outward living people. I am no longer my own. I've been crucified with Christ. My life is no longer mine. It's yours. It's my family's. I no longer live for me. Or at least I hope I don't. There are many times I do. That's when it gets messy. So we need to make room, of course, but we need to have an intent and a heart towards generosity. And this is our time, which is one of the most valuable resources you have. Your energy. Sometimes you've got all the time in the world, but you've got no energy. So it's powerful too. But also our finances. Now, we don't talk a lot about this in this church. And part of the reason, I think, is because I was a little nervous about it for a couple of years, just because of some of the things that were happening in the church world. 
where things were not appropriately handled, not in this church, but in others. And, and people can have a feeling like whenever I go to that church, they ask for my money. And I, I didn't want that to be a stumbling block. But I also realized that, that we're not talking about this enough to understand the importance of it. So they gave everything. They, they, they had this idea of, of this communal responsibility to one another. And it meant that no one went without lack. And so we want to ensure that we are regularly coming and being generous in this space. And I thank you so much to all of you who are. But I encourage all of us just to consider what that looks like for our lives. Serving on a team. Again, I know, we, we, I mean, we, we talked about it last year around the challenge of that for some of you. You've kind of been a bit burnt out by being on a team because you were on every week and it was always, no, we want to manage that and help that happen well. But, but giving of our lives together is so important. Practicing generosity in our community. Eating together. Who loves eating? This is something I do really well as a disciple. <laughs> Especially in your home. The table is a profound thing. So again, you need to have things in your life with enough space in your world where you are regularly going to God and finding rest so that you can keep being a person that can have people in your home. So let's practice that this year. If you find yourself looking through the weeks ahead going, we've got no time to have anyone over, it's probably time to readjust. There's nothing more powerful. And it says, as they ate and, and did this together, it says they were filled with joy and this great humble heart. This, it, there's nothing more thrilling than doing life with someone and just having people over for a meal and connecting at a deeper level. But the table is a great equalizer as well. The early church, they had the wealthiest people in town and the poorest people in town all at the same table. When they didn't, that was one of the issues came. For us, this wonderful thing of doing life and, and doing the table well together. So ask yourself, as, as a devoted practice in your life, how can, you, how can you bring that into your world? Not just your home church, not just coming here, but just having people in your home, loving them, showing the gift of hospitality. And finally, praising together. And we'll, we'll finish here. But there is nothing more powerful than when we come together and praise Him. There's a reason you feel the feels. You sense this thing that's bigger than us. It's this proclaiming of Jesus as King. It's, I don't have time, so I won't even try. But it's profound what we are doing in this moment but for you to lift your eyes and to see Jesus regularly as King. Your Heavenly Father is provider of all things. The Holy Spirit is the one that is working all this out for you. And saying that and praising that and doing that together it will lift your perspective to a deeper truth than you could ever, ever, ever know. You live every day with constant things that are telling you this is the only way it can be. You're living in work situations of frustration, family frustrations, financial frustrations. You need times regularly to come back and say, God, you are king. So before we close, and all my friends over there, you kids, you wonderful people, do me a favor. Grab a seat. Let's close our eyes. And in your heart, What's your desire this year? Just think about all the things you're hoping for, all the things you're dreaming of. They're wonderful things, I'm sure. They're good things. 
And if in that you see Jesus and you say, I want him more. Say, Lord, I want you. And in the coming days and weeks, just look at your calendar, look at your life. How are we establishing these things in our world that move us towards what we want? Lord, speak to us now. I thank you for this community. What a wonderful blessing we have. I pray that we would be one as you are one. I pray that you would draw us together to be a wonderful community of care, support and love, modeling your love for us to each other. I pray this would be a place of support, a place where we can be honest and real, a place that we feel safe, a place where we feel connected. I pray for everyone who's struggling in that space right now, who finds trusting people hard, who finds opening their lives hard, who finds even finding the energy to connect with others is is hard right now. I just pray your grace and mercy over them now. But I pray that we would have eyes to see each other. We know that all the things that can just distract us in this life, the busyness of life, but I pray, Lord, that you would help us to prioritize this. It's coming together, the community being washed by your word, by devoting ourselves to remembering you and praying with and for one another. Let your spirit fall on us, we pray. As on the day of Pentecost, you launched the church through the receiving of your spirit, we ask for just a fresh awareness of what you're doing in us, Holy Spirit. For anyone who feels far from God now, I ask that you would help them to realize you are so close. That through a simple prayer of Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, they can come close. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Hey, at the end of this service, uh, a few of us, I'm going to ask the Huberts if that's okay. Um, And maybe Tam or Ben is just going to hang down the front here if you're feeling far from God and you'd like just prayer to know how to come closer to Him or how to take those steps of becoming a follower of Jesus. We'd love to help you in that. Otherwise, we will see you next week in our home churches. Again, if you don't have a home church yet, that's okay. We run a home church here. You can come and connect. Um, If someone brought you along, a friend, why don't you go with them the following Sunday to the home church they attend and just go, hey, can we check that out too? And and if that still is like, no, it's not really for us, that's okay too. There are so many phenomenal church communities around here and uh, we'd be glad to help you find a home. But finding community is so crucial. So go ahead and do that. God bless you. Vision Sunday. Yes, thank you. In two weekends. So come along to that. It'll be awesome. begin to prepare. We we will be having a prayer vigil. Some of those dates will come out um, in the next few weeks. So just look forward to that. Otherwise, be blessed. Nat, anything else? No, we're good. Wonderful. God bless you. Have a great week. Welcome back. It's lovely to see you again. Hopefully we get to chat before we go. 
Otherwise, go ahead and enjoy your week. Bless you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.
Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.